0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us to prepare our minds for action, that we would not be conformed to this world, but rather dwell in holiness and in fear of you, in reverent fear of you, that we would live without fear of anything else in the world. May by the power of our Holy Spirit our minds be formed to this good thing that you have called us to. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> Growing up, my parents wanted to do this one big thing while I was still young. And I remember kind of the first memory I have of them planning this. I was in about second grade. And they started to plan a long trip on a boat down the east coast of the United States. They started when I was in second grade, like I said, and I remember that because I remember printing out a little map of the United States so I could see the whole east coast. Second grade went by and third grade went by until we finally got to ninth grade when we went on this trip. But it took them that long to prepare for it. They had to buy the right boat for it. They had to get the boat ready so that it was comfortable for us to be on for a long point of time. They had to get all the safety things that we needed so that this wouldn't be a wildly dangerous thing. They had to get money saved aside because they wouldn't be working for a long time. And so they prepared and prepared and prepared. And it took them about seven years or more probably but it took them seven years in my memory to do this preparation. This morning, we are called to prepare because St. Peter has been explaining to us for the last few weeks what a good thing we've been given. He tells us that we've been given an imperishable inheritance, an inheritance that nothing in this world can destroy. So we have been given an inexpressible joy. A joy that's beyond any joy that we've experienced in this world. He's told us that we will be filled with the glory which Christ is now filled with. That we will experience that glory ourselves. And that in us, a work of salvation is being done. That angels long to look upon it. And then this morning he says, Therefore, for this reason, because everything that I've said so far, preparing your minds for action. He describes this as though he's saying, prepare yourself to run. Get your body, get your clothing, everything ready that you may go. Prepare your mind as though you're preparing to run a race. Set your focus wholly upon the coming of Christ. Being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation or at the coming of Jesus Christ, at the coming redemption, which we look forward to. And so he calls us to prepare our minds for this, that our minds would be set on seeking Christ alone and looking forward to that great day. But perhaps that sounds like a hard call. Perhaps it sounds impossible. Perhaps it sounds easy. So how do we do this? He writes, Do not be conformed to your former ignorances. Does your life look the same or different as your non-Christian neighbors? Are you filled with the fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit, which the Spirit gives, of grace and peace and hope and love and self-control? Or are you filled with something else? Are you filled with the Spirit of the world? I think one of the things that has been discouraging for so many in this season is to see how often we are filled with the Spirit of the world. But St. Peter says, don't be filled with that Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit drive out the spirit of the world. Be obedient as children to this spirit. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorances. Instead, have a singular focus upon Christ. But as he who, is call, who has called you, that is Christ to be holy, you also are to be holy in your conduct you also to have that singular focus that christ had think for a minute about his ministry not even his whole life because i think even if we looked at his whole life this would be the case but his ministry is especially particularly clear he came and he knew that he came to be crucified and as he goes through his ministry he points to his apostles that this will be what will happen to me i will be lifted up and crucified He kept pointing back to the crucifixion. He kept pointing back that this would be what it is. He focused singularly on what God had called him to. And this is the center of what it means to be holy. So often we think of holiness as this sort of stodgy thing where we don't do what's wrong and do all the really good things. But that's not holiness. Holiness is wholehearted and singular dedication to God. And now imagine for a moment, if you're singularly devoted to something, are you going to have time for those old ways? Are you going to have time to chase after sin if you are singularly devoted to God? And this is what we are called to, to focus and dedicate our hearts and minds to God. And when we do that, that is what holiness is, and all those other things drift away this is what we are called to not to pride-filled works but to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit that our minds might continually be more and more formed that they would serve and focus on serving God we can't do this by ourselves for we are filled with a rebellious spirit the spirit of this world is rebellious We look at the examples of scripture, and again, and again, and again, humanity thinks, I can reach heaven on my own. And again, and again, God says, no, you must reach heaven through me. It is only through me that you can reach me. And that is why Christ became incarnate, that we might reach heaven. He makes that way possible. And so we're called to kill that rebellious spirit within us by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit that dedicates us to God. The first thing of renewing our minds or preparing our minds for this service is allowing the Holy Spirit to dedicate ourselves to God. As you know, Julie's been out of town, so I've watched movies that normally I would not watch with her. (laughs) Everybody knows what I'm talking about. I think that's a two-way street. These have lots of explosions, and so in one of these movies that I was watching this past week, well, some of them do, not all of them do, one of the movies I was watching this week, this guy had done something, and his superior was really mad at him and was yelling at him, and he said, you know, at one point, another superior of mine had me write out my own obituary. And as soon as I came to the grasp that I am finite and I will die, I no longer had fear. For me, it was an interesting experience. I had a similar experience, not quite the same, but I, a long time ago, not in our diocese, I had a bishop that had had some refining that he needed that he was not attending to. Let's say that's the gracious... Way to say that. And I was working for a church that barely paid me anything. And I had this realization that there wasn't anything that he could take from me. There wasn't anything that he could do to me that would affect my eternity, that would really affect my self-esteem. And it was the most freeing thing in the world to realize that I was free to serve Christ because there was nothing that could be taken away from me. And this is the second part of what St. Peter, I'm going to call St. Peter St. Paul so many times through this series. This is the second thing that St. Peter calls us to. It is to a reverent fear of the Lord. When we realize that the Lord God is so powerful and has called us to be his obedient children, when we realize he is the only thing in this world that we need to fear, and yet he has called us in love? Is there anything in this world that we need to fear? Is there anything that we need to be troubled by? If you fear God, what else is there that you may fear? There is no power in hell or on this earth that can separate us from God. And so, when you reside in that holy fear that St. Peter talks about, when we reside in the calling that Him as Father, who is the only judge, the impartial judge, and He will judge according to each deed, therefore conduct yourselves throughout this time with fear throughout this time of your exile. What is there that we can possibly fear? This past week, I was reading a couple accounts of people who had gone through persecution they actually went so far as to call it the most joyful time of their life. And I think we have a hard time wrapping our mind around that. But when they went through this time, when they went thrown in prison or suffered for the sake of Christ, they no longer had anything else in the world. There was no longer anything that could be taken from them. And so they clung to Christ so tightly that they had nothing that they feared and only the joy and love of Christ and in that they abided so richly with Christ when we realize that Christ is what we need when we realize that we serve a powerful and good god who not who loves us what is there that we can possibly fear in this world there is nothing to fear so we are called to serve God with a reverent fear, to serve God with with reverence in all that we do. Now, there was another movie that I watched recently where this guy gave up on life. Just gave up, and he went home, and he had this weird plan to, like, sort of get revenge and then, you know, go away. And it was, it was a heartbreaking movie, But one of the interesting things that they captured so well is the profound brokenness of humanity. In it, he kind of goes and he he sees just his family and and friends all kind of have messy, fallen-apart lives, and sort of everything he touched ended up crumbling, except that then he realized that he had love because his family loved him. But I thought what was really beautiful about this film is it captured how broken we are, One of the biggest heresies, I think, that we struggle with today isn't some Christological heresy. It isn't a heresy that says, you know, that Jesus wasn't fully God or fully man or anything like that. Those float around often. But they aren't the big troubling heresy that we face. It's that we still struggle with what is called Pelagianism. We still struggle with this idea that we are fundamentally good and that we can get, like, most of the way to heaven and then we kind of need a nice little push from Jesus. The reality is is we are profoundly separated from God and inside ourselves our will is corrupt. And that's why we need Christ and that's why we need the Holy Spirit. True redemption comes through Christ. True redemption comes as he writes this morning, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways of your forefathers Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of the lamb, without blemish or spot. In that final statement, St. Peter does something really interesting and profound that perhaps you pick up on as we read. As he calls Christ the unblemished lamb without spot. He ties Jesus to the Passover sacrifice, to the first Passover, which, if you remember, in that Israel is suffering under slavery in Egypt. And they're told, go sacrifice unblemished lambs and paint over your doorpost the blood of that lamb and then eat all the lamb. And then, what does he tell them to do? Prepare yourselves to go, which is what St. Peter has told us at the beginning of this. Prepare yourselves prepare but Christ first is that unblemished lamb Christ is is Christ's blood that is painted over our doorposts it is Christ's blood that has set us free we cannot buy it we cannot do anything it is a gift given to us freely (laughs) there was a joke floating around the other day about the olympics and somebody proposed that we really need like, a normal person to compete in the Olympics with all of the Olympians. Because we see it and we're like, wow, that's pretty cool. But we don't realize how impressive their talents are. And I have friends that are weightlifters. And I've, I've started seeing things about weightlifting in the Olympics recently and watched a couple clips I'm pretty sure if I tried to even lift like, what my friend's weight lifted, my entire body would just collapse under the weight of that. I'm not entirely sure how like their arms don't break. But if I had to be that, perfect, that person that was lifting against the Olympic weightlifters, you all would be very impressed by them and be very impressed by how weak I am. We are much like that. We tend to overestimate our strength. But if we were to say that salvation is like Olympic weightlifting, we would be like me, just like struggling and struggling and not even getting the, the bar thing. I don't, I don't weightlifts. Whatever they're called, the, the bar thing is off the ground. Thank you. But that's what it's like if we try to save ourselves. We get nowhere. But that's also the good news. Because we don't need to save ourselves. Christ has saved us. He is that perfect lamb, the unblemished lamb whose blood has redeemed us. And so when death comes, it passes over us. Just like in the first Passover. For this reason, St. Peter writes, Therefore, therefore, he calls us to prepare your minds... Prepare your minds for action. He calls that you would be wholly dedicated to God. He calls that you would be have a reverent fear of God. He calls that you would be transformed by the Holy Spirit. That in this time of exile, your focus would be on that coming redemption. That your focus would be on that promised land. Will you accept that call? Will you take the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit transform your minds to be focused wholly upon Christ? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost.